Welcome on. Thank you for tuning in to the Battle Braves FC podcast, where we focus all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the U.S. This is Jose Almanio, sports writer from Sport Pulse and WTOP News. And joining me as always, Mario Amaya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today? I am doing all right. Uh, so I just have one thing, rule of thumb here. Hey, if you're going to propose to your girl, don't propose to her in a sporting venue. Uh, I, I agree with you 99.9% of the time. I would like to add the caveat. If you're going to propose to your said significant other, may it not be a venue over half a century old. I I, I I think the older it is, the more decrepit smelling they are. And the last thing you want, her to, you want to do is make her most memorable day or his most memorable day ever in a place that smells like the Seaquarium in Miami, smells like the Baltimore Aquarium in, in Baltimore, or smells like the Anacostia River in D.C. That's just not pretty of a smell to be like telling your I love yous to someone. Yeah, no, it creates terrible memories, and that stench will be with you for the rest of your life. Yep, but we'll get to Greg Berhalter's relationship in a second. But in um, in other news, yes, quick transition, as always, here at the Battle vs. FC podcast. In other news, DC United traveled to another place that stinks, uh, the Bronx, specifically to play at Yankee Stadium as they took on New York City FC, and thanks to Talis Magno, Magno and uh, Santiago Rodriguez with their two first half time, first half goals, uh, New York City FC were able to hold on to a 3-2 victory over United on Saturday night. Um, United did fire back um, in the start of the second half thanks to Christian Bateke with a header uh, one minute into the second half. However, it was Thiago Andrade who put him up 3-1. And then Steve Birnbaum took a great header in the 90th to get it to 3-2. However, United weren't able to scrounge her up the draw at the last minute. I think it was said best during the underwater uh, press conference by Wayne Rooney. Under the sea. You fans, when they put up the interview on YouTube or Apple, you guys are going to get the good version. We got the... For some reason, the underwater world of we got the Aquaman version of the of the press conference. To be honest with you, yeah, we got like a really what they they put because we were watching from Zoom. They put us closer allegedly to the speaker, and the speaker was trash. So I can only read what Wayne Rooney said allegedly. Um, his thoughts on the first half were quote nowhere near good enough, and I don't know why. You have games where. You can't understand why the performance was so bad. I could have taken every player off, to be honest. I was pleased by the reaction in the second half, but the first half, the first half cost us the game, unquote. Mario, what are your thoughts on the result and Wayne's assessment of the game at large that the first half really dug United in? I think for the most part, DC United did all right, but I think Wayne Rudy does have a point. They were really slow to react in the first half. It wasn't clicking. They weren't all the way there. And I felt like in certain instances it showed, in particular, the second goal from uh, from Santi Rodriguez, where he got a pass from third base to first base. Uh, so it, 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 it showed because nobody was mar- was guarding him at that moment in time. I think that's 
Jahez's uh, position on the field. They clearly left them open and left them on a one-on-one with Tyler Miller. So Not only yeah, that, it, with a, in a foot race too with Steve Birnbaum, which is not something Birnbaum should be wanting to do at his age. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, sh- I mean, Birnbaum ran all the way from right center field to go on this foot race and still lost. So, it, yeah, I think the first, just the absolutely lack of a performance in the first half did United in. I think they responded well in the second half, getting a goal early from Christian Benteke. It's important. It was important to start that way. They were looking like the block, a little more like the menacing team throughout the second half. They played toe to toe in certain instances with New York City FC. But like every trip to New York to uh, Yankee Stadium, DC United just can't seem to find a point. Uh, to get a point out of New York City FC, uh, out of Yankee Stadium against New York City FC. New York City FC found the way to get to get the dagger punch late in the second half. And that's what happens. Well, first, uh, just so everyone knows, yes, we struggled to listen to that press conference. So I'm going to give the Washington Post its credit for that underwater translation. So I really Under do appreciate sea. it. Under um, the sea. But to your point about playing at Red Bull, I mean Red Bull Arena, we wish we were playing at Red Bull Arena because the last time we played New York City FC, we won. We won, and it was at Red Bull Arena. So I think United would much prefer playing at Red Bull Arena going forward. I just Um, want to get away from the five boroughs of New York at this point. Yes, um, the winless streak in New York City proper is now up to eight. Um, with a scoring margin 24 to 7. Um, I, I thought that they, yes, they got off the bat foot. Um, excuse me for the Steve Birnbaum slander on the first goal. He did mess up in the second goal. However, it was Derek Williams that got beat in the foot race. Uh, <laughs> in the second goal, yes, it was also Williams, Jaez, and Birnbaum who were caught adrift <laughs> for the second goal. Again, that that pass on the second goal was a line drive from third to first. It was perfectly connected. And and look, I I, I understand where Wayne is at in terms of why he thinks it's he can't explain the first half, and I can't either, um, because there were moments where in the first half United played well when they had their foot on the ball, which is something I can't really say. That hasn't been said in over quite five years in this club that they look good on the ball. Like that, that was something that I, I really was stunned by. That they were playing well on the ball, but I felt that there were certain people playing out of ball. I feel like off the ball, they were just completely out of sync. While as on the ball, they created some opportunities, including a Nigel Roberta shot from outside the box that kind of stung the goalkeeper and it bounced if it bounced on a if it bounced a little more towards Christian Benteke, he would have easily put it, put the ball in to tie the game. Yeah, I think putting jo- uh, Jacob Green in, I know that it was him making his debut. Putting in for Ruan really helped because you knew that Green was going to always play more conservative, play more defensive. So it allowed um, Chris Durkin to move up more. Uh, putting in uh, Pedro Santos in, for Roberta, who has been underwhelming his entire time here, um, who also had another subpar performance, in my opinion, where 
you need him to have hold-up play or need him to run off the ball to get that second ball off of Benteke, and he just wasn't there or didn't read the positioning well, and it just felt underwhelming. You instantly saw the change uh, when you moved Ted Teku uh, Pietro into that 11 role with Pedro Santos moving out wide. And then Victor Paulson, who was on the bench for some reason, comes in for Canals, who was playing okay, but he got the yellow. So that allowed, um, you know, Victor Paulson to come in. And I just think he's more, he brings more stability to the back line. Uh, I love having Russell out there, but I think Russell is very much more box to box than Victor. Victor's more of a defensive midfielder. Uh, who can hold back and be essentially that sweeper in front and provide that cover a little better than Russell, who has been who's played that role before. But I think of Russell more box to box, helping with the offense as much as he's helping with the defense. And so, I felt that that was very good, and we saw it right away where Paulson connects with Klitsch, who's then who's now has space because he's not you know bumping into uh, to Ted a lot. You know, he has his space, makes the cross, and he finds Benteke, who was dying for a cross. I think Benteke, I think this was the most visible I've seen him in his time with the black and red. He was getting into loose balls, getting into fouls, you know, trying to get the balls, trying to help defensively, offensively. He was everywhere. I thought he he was great. Um, he just he wanted more goals. and But my biggest concern coming out of this game, to be honest with you, is the injuries. We have Jaez come out with an injury. Um, we don't know about Ron, but um, Ron came out. He looked suspect the entire game. Then you had, um, you had, like I mentioned, Jaez go out for an injury. And then you have Pedro Santos, who came in as a sub, have to get subbed out for an injury as well. Wayne didn't really have much information in terms of the injuries post-game. And this is a club that's dealing with those two injuries, dealing with uh, Andy Nahar being out, dealing with Taxi uh, Funta still being out. And so the question is, are they going to have to go? And you have Brendan Heinzeich, who's been out for a while still. So you're, you're going to have questions of, yes, they may be bringing in Lewis O'Brien, uh, but he's not going to be eligible until he gets a work visa. Um, is he going to be it, it, like who else are they going to have to bring in at this point? Are they going to have to bring in some kids that they sent over to Loudon back, or are any of the academy kids currently in the system ready to go? Uh, I do think they're going to have to make one more pickup before they can, sit, you know, uh, be sure because. To be honest with you, Pedro Santos went down bad. That that they, they, I worry more about his injury than Jaez. I think Jaez was just more. He's been playing nonstop since the first game, and at some point he was going to need to, you know, he was going to come down with something. They were going to run him down till the wheels fell off, essentially, to see how he was going to get adjusted to MLS. So I, I'm more concerned about his, more concerned on Pedro Santos because you can see he really adds another dimension to the attack. Yeah, that's very true. And losing someone like Pedro Santos who brings that who brings that dynamic factor to the attack is something that yeah, you have to look into and be like, 
we need a replacement because Yamil Assad, for all for all intents and purposes, he's still in preseason mode, so he's not 100% ready to go. Like if you need him as a starter, uh, when it comes to Loudon, who knows? But I mean, I could sit around here all day and tell you, you know what? It is Jeremy Garay's time to shine. Let's bring him back up from Loudon. But that would just be that. That would be something. Uh, I think that yeah, you're gonna have to look into the. You're gonna have to look for another play, another player to kind of cover the role, depending how serious the, the injury to Pedro Santos is, or uh, or the new player O'Brien could end up being that guy that could also play on the wings as well. So even though he's a center midfielder, and let's face it, we have a bunch of those. And DC Dad has a bunch of those, so you know we'll we'll see how this goes. But I think you got to address the depth issue going in, going going coming more going into as the season moves forward, because you're gonna have things, you're gonna have injuries like this come up a lot, and especially with the system that Wayne Rooney's playing, you're good. There people are gonna be put. You're gonna have people go down because you're gonna have them play till the like you said till the wheels fall off. And so I think that depth is going to be something that needs to be addressed as well as to see how Pedro Santos's uh, health evolves, uh, health evolve, uh, evolves moving forward. Yeah, and, and look, I, I'm not saying that that was specific to Yaez. I think that I, I was reading the preseason coverage and he started off a little late and he's still trying to get a feel. I think he's played well. I I do think... There still needs work to be done on the midfield partnership, but I think that just takes time. I think he's played well, and he's had to make up for the fact that that would have been Martin Rodriguez as his partner on that side. So without him, it's kind of creating a new partnership with whoever was going to be that midfielder on the wide. But overall, I think he's done well. Um, and I'm glad to see Jacob Green get a start. Um, he played all of last year for Loudon. It was good to get him out there. Um, Ruan has just been underwhelming for me. It, maybe it's just because, you know, of everything that Andy's done in terms of the attack flow. Um, hopefully he's okay um, that he can play against New England because there's one thing about New England that always terrifies me when we play New England is Gustavo Bo just plays so well against United. I don't know what it is. He plays well. I think the attack there, regardless of how they've kind of regressed in the last year. Carlos Hill's still a threat. Carlos Hill is still a threat, former MVP candidate, and I think MVP. Um, yes, he won the MVP. Yeah, so he's always a threat, and they've made a couple of changes during the offseason. So I I, I do – that's where I worry the most is play against New England's attack and how United's going to – battle with these injuries i don't want to see victor paulson in center back but i wouldn't be surprised if that happens again or i wouldn't be surprised if we end up seeing williams with um pines or pines burn bomb combination i just think wayne hasn't fully decided what is his best center back uh, pairing and i think it's kind of holding it's hinging on when does Brennan Hyde-Zeit come back? And I, I kind of agree with your logic. You've mentioned this outside the podcast, where they have to stop relying on him being 100% going forward. I think 
you know, this is now back-to-back injuries where you're kind of like left on a lurch. He'll be good depth when he comes back and he can win the starting job. But as right now at the moment, United has to decide who is their starting center-back pairing going forward. Williams has had a so-so good uh, start to his season. Paulson is there for a pinch hit, but I wouldn't make it again. And he's probably the best center back we currently have. <laughs> and and then, of course, you have all reliable Steve Birnbaum, and you have Donovan Pines. You know what he brings. You know his weaknesses as well. So, But I do think United at some point has to make a decision in terms of who's going to be their center back pair. Yeah, because I think uh, looking goal as you move forward throughout the season and you don't really have your center back pairing already, you know, finalized or determined, it kind of it kind of throws the 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 um the defense for a loop and it could hinder you uh in the long run. So we'll see. Uh, I think that Brandon Heinzeit does come back as the starter when he ever comes back from his injury. But again, I like I've said before outside the podcast, he's not a hundred percent. He's not reliable to finish the full season because unfortunately he can't stay healthy for mo- for for uh, for for a good part of this se- for for a long season. So that that's kind of one of the things I'm concerned when it comes to Heinz Ike. Uh, I think Derek Williams done pretty well. I think he's done pretty well as a center back. Uh, Steve Birnbaum, these two last two games, he's done all right, but I wouldn't rely heavily on Steve Birnbaum either. So I think you do try out Donovan Pines, see how he works out. Possibly a a Donovan Pines, Derek Williams situation against New England could do the trick, but we shall see. Also, did you know is the Cherry Blossom, they're going to debut the Cherry Blossom jerseys in that game? Yes, Mario, I do know they're going to. <laughs> yes, I do know. Thank you for the reminder. Yes, it'll be Cherry Blossom Day uh, this Saturday. <laughs> How do you feel? <laughs> Thank you for the reminder. Like I hadn't forgot. Um, no problem. Uh, I just wanted you to know, you know. <laughs> I don't yes, want you to forget. <laughs> for those who don't follow us outside the podcast, I work for an outlet who's cherry blossom heavy and part of the cherry blossom coverage was the cherry blossom jersey reveal where for two or three days straight I kept telling Mario that we will be wearing the cherry blossom jersey against New England. So here we are and it will debut in front of all of you during the week of the cherry blossom festival. Um, Other notes, Victor Paulson has been called up by the Icelandic uh, a national team for two um, European Championship qualifiers against Bosnia and Liechtenstein, and uh, forward of Christian Fletcher. I don't know why I'm struggling there. Forward Christian Fletcher has been uh, called up to the U.S. Under-19 national team for train for training camp in Venezuela, Buenos Aires, and friendlies against Argentina and Racing Club. Um, they both won't be playing in the upcoming match against New England. So that's going to be a loss for United. So Russell Kanasa is going to have to put his best game face on for that match. Um, and another update, Martin mentioned Lewis O'Brien. He won't be able to play until he gets that work visa situated. The club is hopeful that he can come in in the next two, three weeks. Moving on, not just from that, 
there was more than just DC United in the news because we finally have a resolution in the U.S. soccer Greg Berhalter case. Greg one, of Berhalter, soap op- one of the greatest soap operas that have come out this year, baby. <laughs> as only created by Freeform, Greg Berhalter remains a candidate to stay on as the coach of the U.S. men's national team following a report um, by a law firm hired by U.S. soccer determining that he did not improperly withhold information about a 1992 domestic violence incident involving the woman who ended up becoming his wife. According to the Associated Press, the report publicly released on Monday concluded that Burhalter likely, quote, likely construct, consisted the, ah, Burhalter's conduct likely constituted the misdemeanor crime of an assault of a female, unquote. Burhalter's contract expired on right before right on New Year's. Um, in the report itself, Burhalter admits about the incident that happened, but the report ultimately concludes of something else, which is what's gotten more of the headlines. The report has ultimately concluded that <laughs> um, that the details of the incident, which were what was they corroborated the details of the incident, which Greg Berhalter, Rosalind Berhalter, put out publicly in a statement. However, they also uncovered <laughs> a, a pattern of outreach, periodic outreach, as stated in the report by former Captain Claudia Reyna over a six year period involving the, primarily the treatment of his son, Gio Reyna, unquote. That outreach concluded multiple complaints about the coaching level on the youth level, uh, travel accommodations for the U-17 tournament, uh, his role for the for the World Cup, his son's role at the World Cup, as and confirmed what we ended up learning about the incident that started it all. That basically Claudio and Danielle Reyna both conspired to Greg to get Greg Berhalter hot fired. The report is out there. It's very long and arduous to try and condense in a small little podcast that we do here. But in short, Claudio Arena was wild. Like he would complain on email. He would and Danielle was not helpful. I think when I read this the, the quotes to Mario, there was a portion of it where Daniel Reyna literally said, our goal is to get him fired. (laughs) She literally said one phone call and all the the shoes and perks are going away. Of course, that's not the exact quote. I'm kind of paraphrasing Mm -hmm. here. But this whole situation is so goddamn messy. Messy with a capital Y. Directly from the report, according to Mr. Stewart, there's Ernie Stewart, who was the uh, the the sporting director or the technical director at the time. Near the phone call, this was the Reynas responding to Greg Berhalter not keeping his mouth shut, going in the leadership conference, saying, explaining the story of what we ended up learning: Gio Reyna misbehaving in training camp after being told he isn't going to be playing as much, and him being lackadaisical in training. And almost being sent home, 
and how the team responded and, and lashed out at Reyna, and then he apologized to the team. Well, Greg Berhalter said this in a leadership conference, and he didn't say it was uh, Gia Reyna, but everybody remembered the supposed leak that came out originally Ronaldo. This was off the record, according to him, in his <laughs> leadership conference. Let us put that out there. This was supposed to be off the record, you guys. Nothing was off the record unless they say it's off the record. From the jump, I am a journalist. The reporter said it was never said it was off the record. And boom, de facto, it was not off the record. Any the freaking who. He opened his mouth like a big mouth, like he always does, and he everyone thought yeah, of before the worst part is like I'm not mentioning names. I'm like, we know you're talking about Geo. Come on, because man. it got leaked out that Geo was misbehaving at training, and we all saw Geo responding when you said he was injured. And he was like, I'm fantastic, baby. And so we knew it was Geo. Then Gio confirmed it was him. And on that day, mommy and daddy called the technical director. And towards, and this is from the report, near the end of the call, quote, Mr. Rain, Mrs. Reina told Mr. Stewart that Mr. Burhalter had an altercation with his then girlfriend, Mrs. Burhalter, in the 1990s. Mr. Stewart said that Mrs. Reina told him, quote, Greg beat the living shit out of her in a back alley. Unquote. Mr. Stewart said Mrs. Reyna told him that Mr. Burhalter did this because he saw Mrs. Burhalter dancing with a football player earlier that night in a bar. Unquote. This caused Ernie Stewart to then call the lawyers, to then call HR, to then start this investigation. That's and it's like what where Ernie, Stewart, where Ernie Stewart realized we have an HR department. And it goes on and on about how these two really were out, especially after that incident happened, were out to get him to the point later on in this same thing. They asked Mrs. Reyna in for an interview. They got an interview with Mrs. Reyna. And she was, for all my minorities, you're going to understand what I'm saying. She was petty as fuck. She was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't confirm anything. I didn't do anything. I have cleared my mind. I have cleansed my conscience. And then they hung up. And then she decided per the, to talk. Per the report, very shortly after the first call ended, Mrs. Reina called back. She began the second call by saying, yes, I did do it. What? <laughs> why? Why do you? <laughs> why did you say this in the first phone call? Why did you have to waste the whole second phone for the sake of being petty, madam, madam? I, I, I get and, it. And not only that, she wasn't even there when the fight happened between Greg and his wife. She did it just on pure hearsay? That's the worst part. So, overall, the the family petty stuff outside. Claudio's gotten a bit big trouble, mainly because. Well, I'm about to stop talking in a second. I've talked too much. <laughs> but Claudio, at the end result, we'll get into the specifics in a second. But at the end result, Greg was found to not have lied to U.S. soccer because they never asked, did you commit some violent or, hey, did you do anything stupid that we, we're going to regret if you didn't tell us that we're going to find out later? He didn't. It was never asked. So U.S. soccer failed in the interviewing process. And... <laughs> And the brother knew, but then never brought it up. So they failed in terms of the, you know, 
making sure we, we we make this as clean as possible and not having uh what's the uh, word uh conflict of interest per se um the only person that looks like a true victim here is Ernie Stewart because he had to deal with this BS and the employees at U.S. Soccer because they had to deal with this BS for six years, dealing with Claudio and his fat and his family. Um, and Greg Berhalter has a chance to still get a chance for this job. Do I think he's going to get this job? No, he doesn't because I think U.S. Soccer is going to want to wipe their hands off of this. But that's just my opinion. Mario, what are your thoughts out that all this breaking news happened on Monday? Live on Freeform from Pretty Little Liars, from the creators of Pretty Little Liars, we bring you the Reynas versus the Burhalters. Yeah, I this mean, was a- I mean, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Uh, so where do we begin here? Uh, this situation was messy from the beginning. It couldn't have gotten any more messier, even if you tried. Uh, well, the Reynas pretty much said, "Don't believe me, just watch." It's wild. It is just wild to think that we're going and talking about a situation like this all because your kid didn't get playing minutes. Uh, Christian Pulisic talked about this later on in the week. And I'm going to quote what he said. It was childish. It was you. This was a childish situation because, yeah, I get it that you're upset that your kid's not getting playing time. But that you went on for six years sending them emails talking about the playing conditions or why isn't my son playing? Who knew Claudio and Daniel Reyna were the were the uh, proto like just your typical helicopter parents that you see in kids leagues in and around the United States with sports in general? But the fact that they actually went out of their way in this whole petty situation to kind of just bring up an old incident that we had no idea about just for the sake of, Oh, you didn't want to play my kid and you're putting what happened in Qatar out there. All right, fine. We're going to ruin it. And you know, the funny thing is when Greg admitted to it, he talked about what he did afterwards. This man volunteered in a, uh, was it teenage teenage uh, teenage girls prison in Nor- in North Carolina? In a women's prison. In, in a women's Carolina. prison in North Carolina. Thank you. In a women's prison in North Carolina, just to learn about this, kind of guess learn about the error of his ways and how this could affect him. They they even interviewed the UNC head coach at the time. Did you know the guy was still alive? <laughs> Um, no. (laughs) See? (laughs) So this situation, just the emails that were leaked out, everything that we learned. Uh, Ernie Stewart is going through the ringer. It screams messiness. Honestly, it doesn't help Gio Reyna in some aspects of it. I think they'll make fun of him for it. In a way, but this is allegedly more, more or less. Uh, I'll get slight ribbing by his teammates. I don't absolutely. see them. I don't see them. They've been the adults in the room the entire time. Right, which is wild that we talk about twenty, like twenty-something-year-olds being more mature, mature than forty or fifty-something-year-olds in the room. 
But I digress. Claudio Reyna, like with this situation, I think Claudio Reyna for a while won't be getting any kind of jobs in so- in soccer in this country. Uh, because, well, yeah, like th- this was something we knew nothing about until this investigation came. And I think the the honestly, the sad part about all this is they were friends before all this. Like Claudio and Greg were friends childhood friends and now that friendship's all over now and so yeah there's not that there's not a lot that's gained out of this situation but also the details that came out of this were just scandalous absolutely scandalous yeah i'll try to include the uh, link to the report um in the show notes for anyone who's interested and hasn't read it by now uh, specifically the report itself, uh, it's easy to grab the article from The Athletic, or in this case, so that I can read uh, properly, <laughs> the Associated Press. Um, it's very easy to do that, but I think for U.S. soccer, it's one of those where, one of those, the last three years, we've definitely been reading a lot of lawyer speak <laughs> in this community, uh, more than we probably have ever wanted to. Um, but it's just one of those landmark moments. Uh, Mario kind of said when this came out, this is one of those times where you feel like you're a proper soccer nation. I don't feel that way, but I do feel like this is one of those landmark moments that as a soccer nation, you need to absorb and make sure history doesn't repeat itself. Um, I think it's a it's learning a- moment at this point. It's yeah. a learning moment. Like, you... you- you learn to get better, right? So this is something like you learn, you live with it, you learn from the mistakes, and try for it never to repeat itself again. Right. I think the biggest thing was, for me, um, the most disturbing part of the whole thing was, and I think Sebi Salazar was uh, of Montgomery County fame, um, for, of ESPN. But that's the zone. Exactly was the first to call out the fact that this is very, very high school soccer parent-esque behavior. This is very privileged behavior. You're go- you're upset with something? Well, I'm going to call the head coach, or I'm going to call the man in charge, and we're going to get to the bottom of this because this they very, want the best. This is a very caring moment, to be honest with you. Well, see, I, I want to avoid that. I want to avoid that because the biggest thing, and someone pointed this out on Twitter, I don't remember who, so I apologize. You don't know how they feel being that they lost a child. For those who don't know, the Reynas, uh had another child that they lost um, cancer. due to cancer. And so um, you you kind of want to be delicate and how you know we're both not parents but i you know speaking to my parents about other things you want to be delicate in how a parent feels about trying to assure their child gets the best opportunities available and that they don't get cheated and i think you see it when geo plays he has a chip on his shoulder because he is captain america's son he wants to perform better than his father his mother was also athletic he wants to make mama proud like any other athlete would want to but i think he has a different perspective and his family being that they've already lost the child they want to make sure that their child doesn't get cheated out of the opportunities that the first child lost 
due to their death. And so I can understand that. My issue mainly is the the continued threats by Claudio. The continue, you know, this is a man that I just said it right now, Captain America. He he is this is called abuse of the of the the credential in our business. Just because you have the access doesn't mean you abuse the access. The fact that he was texting Brian McBride on November 21st after learning Geo wasn't going to be playing on Wales. Quote, our entire family is disgusted, angry, and done with you guys. Don't expect nice comments from anyone in our family about U.S. soccer. I'm being transparent with you. Not like the political clown show of our federation. Unquote. Like, that, that's, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? You know this. And then I actually wish Claudio put himself, if he would stop acting like a parent and remind himself he was formerly the technical director for Austin FC. What if one of those South American parents were to come up to him and, 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 and say, why aren't you playing my son? You bought him for $13 million. Why aren't you playing my son? And it's it's like that's that doesn't happen around the world. It just doesn't. It just doesn't. And so it was very childish behavior in Claudio's part. He, he went on to call. They interviewed 18 people for this, this investigation. And one of the things was that Claudio said some very, very, what's another word for bad? Very unsavory, very unsavory things about a female ref. Well, a lot of things. Um, Here's from The Athletic, an interview with a person whose name was redacted called Claudio Reyna's historic outreach as bullying and mean-spirited. And said whenever he was he re- he received them, he would forward it to U.S. Soccer leadership. Um, in terms of the referee, um, there was a female referee in a match involving Geo in 2018. He stated, "Quote: Field referee, everything so embarrassing all the way around." He then sent a follow-up email stating, "Quote." In all honesty, can we get the re can we get real and have male refs for a game like this? It's embarrassing, guys. What are we trying to prove? The game deserves better attention. Um it's it, and, and the and the source then said to in the report, it's sad to see. I believe we should regroup internally and decide the path we want to take after this. And his communication last week, it is inappropriate or unacceptable. It is, unquote, it's very inappropriate and unacceptable, considering that he works in a league that has a multitude of female referees that are working hard to perfect the craft in a profession that gets so disrespected in our sport. To then publicly, I mean, privately say that we, we need to get real. How about you get real, Mr. Broken Ankles? Like, why can't you? Why can't hey, you? Don't, don't disrespect Mr. Mr. Broken Hamstrings like that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, like, this, you deserve all the slander coming to you, Claudio. I'm sorry. Like, I was the day before saying Austin's going to have to rethink 
like allowing him to go freely. No, he he resigned because he knew this was coming out. He knew this was coming out, and he knew the backlash that was coming, and he didn't want to be in front of the fire. And so here we are. He deserves all of it. And him trying to come, oh, I did try to talk to investigators because he didn't talk to them, by like, the way. He didn't it. talk to them. But like your, your wife, your wife kind of dodged the question the first time around, and then she decided to call back and talk about it. But to constantly text and call whenever Chio didn't play or played or whatever is such disrespect. At some point, and I feel like my father saying this, you gotta let it go. They have to learn to stand on their own two feet, and you're not allowing your son to become the man you dream by just that being behind him you know who this affects the most not you geo it affects geo the most mario mentioned it earlier it's going to affect him in his relationship with his teammates and his relationship with whoever's the coach whether it's greg burhalter jesus uh martin luther king whoever it is it, it it's, it's going to be effective regardless it, it, because and the reason I brought up those names is to make a joke, but at the same time, it's like the way Claudio reacted to every time he quote thought his son was being slighted, it came off rude, disrespectful, and acting as if his friend didn't know what he's doing. And if we were friends, and you did that to me. We wouldn't be friends anymore. As a matter of fact, I'd change my number, wouldn't tell you. And I would be like, don't call me again. Don't ask for my number. I don't want to hear from you. I don't want to know your voice. I don't want to know your wife. I don't want to know nothing. Because I'm trying to do my job. And the fact that Kerber Halter didn't cuss him out or didn't kick him is the stunning part of them all. Because Greg Berhalter has the right to kick Berhalter has some real self-control at that point. Because, like, I don't know about you. You ever bring my my family and put my dirty laundry out there and put your name in your mouth in a way that you're not supposed to. Oh, no, we fighting. Or at the very least, I'm going to let you have it verbally. Because that's just regular code. That's just disrespectful altogether. What would... Gio Reyna did not G sorry, not Gio, but Claudio and Daniel Reyna did was they crossed the line. They were habitually line stepping this entire time. And then on top of that, you're over here disrespect telling people, get real, we need to get male reps. I'm like, who are you to disrespect a fee a, a female ref or any kind of ref, really? Or any ref. Who are you to say that and tell them get real? I mean, let's get let, let's get real. Like that puts you in a horrible light. And to be fair, you were kind of a little chicken to actually just resign and not get what was coming to you and didn't want to take this criticism. We're here. Like that that's just a bad that paints a bad light on you altogether. Well, yeah, for those anybody interested in reading it, you will I'll try to include the report in its entirety in the show notes, you can read it um, there. I do recommend that or The Athletic. They kind of go step-by-step step, piecemeal uh, going forward. As we know, Ernie Stewart has left his role. He is at PSG. Uh, Brian PSV. McBride, PSV, excuse me. Uh, Brian McBride has left U.S. soccer as well. 
Um, U.S. Soccer is looking for a new technical director, which is going to be a more specific role going forward, according to Yahoo, focusing just on the national teams because they saw that Ernie Stewart didn't focus enough on the youth and the grassroots areas. Um, Cindy Parlacone said multiple times that Greer Ballhalter remains a candidate. It was said again in this report. Mario, do you... We know why legally they say Greg Berhalter is still a candidate, but do you think U.S. Soccer should rehire Greg Berhalter? Uh, given everything that's gone on, I don't think so. I think they're going to want to get away from all this drama. I think he'll be hired again in the future. I just don't think right now it's going to be the good. It would be a good time to re-sign him as the head coach. Yes, I agree with you and iRobot over there. Um, I don't think that they can be um, – <laughs> if it doesn't appear on the audio version, I'll make sure you're not to say that. Uh, but <laughs> I agree. Uh, I don't think uh, it it should be a part I, – I think Greg – first off, I was already at the camp of you did four years. Thank, thanks for your help. We already had this before with two other coaches. We don't need a – we don't go three for three in mistakes. Um, so I didn't think we needed to get Greg Berhalter for another round. I thought it was time to move on, and I really hope that they could get somebody new by the start of the summer. Um, I think the team would be best to move on from Greg, um, in my personal opinion. But, but yeah, do you think Claudio gets hired by anybody anytime soon, though? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Not, I, I, th- I think. Do- I think Doctor Broken Hamstrings over there is gonna have is probably gonna have to do something else for the time being, because nobody's gonna want to touch Claudio Reyna after this incident. I mean, I'm not gonna go that far. I do think that it is gonna be a while before he is back. Let's just put it that way. I think he'll be, he'll be, he'll. He's still in Austin in a in a small behind the scenes role, uh, but he won't. Let's just put it this way: it's gonna be a while. <laughs> it may be a while because he did construct a good Austin team. That's the reality. We were talking about it before this this game was revealed. Austin has kind of pushed, like, you know, hopefully the rest of the season pans out differently, but he has constructed a well-rounded squad. And so... Yeah, the only problem with that is they can't beat Haitian teams in the CONCACAF Champions League. That will be for the next edition of the Battle and Braves FC podcast. But yes, it is, uh, that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> he constructed a good team to win the Western Conference and be seconds away from an MLS Cup. Well, he didn't construct a good enough team to beat a team from Haiti that only had 14 players come to Austin. Well, on that note, <laughs> that's enough for us here on the Battle and Braves FC podcast. So before we let you go, Mario, is there anything else you'd like to let the people know about you? All right. I have two upcoming stories coming up real soon. So stay tuned for that. Or if you just want to list or if you just want to follow me for the sake of following me on there, follow me on Twitter at Mario Maya one. You can follow El Tiempo Latino too on Twitter at El Tiempo Latino. You just if you want to know what's going on, going on in the world around you or in the DMV, you can go on their website. El Tiempo Latino.com. 
And if you just want to put money in my pocket, you could go to your local newsstand and or metro station and get yourself a copy of El Tiempo Latino today. I talk too much in this edition of this podcast, so if you want to read me, which is easier for my mouth and for everything else I do, you can follow me on Twitter at Jose underscore M underscore Umana for more. Special shout out, as always, to Cal McLeod and Ian Patek for the intro and outro music. Remember to rate and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and all your audio platforms. We greatly appreciate all the feedback. Thank you so much for tuning into the Bad Hombres MC podcast, and we will talk to you. Adios. Adios.